God, we thank you that your word says that you'll never leave us and that you'll never forsake us. God, we may this week have came in here that we've had a son or a daughter, they failed us. We may have had a spouse that has failed us. We may have had a system that's failed us. We may have an employer that has failed us. Even the practice of medicine has failed us, a government that's failed us. But God, we know this, that from supreme authority, that you never leave us and that you never forsake us. That you never fail us, that you're the same yesterday, today, and forever. And the same things you did in the book of Genesis all the way through the book of Revelation and 66 books of a story of redemption, of a story of salvation, of a story of righteousness. God, we thankful that it's here with us today. And Lord, you didn't fail then and you won't fail today. And so, Lord, I just pray, God, Lord, as we go to your word today, I pray, Lord, that you're opening eyes to see, that you're opening ears to hear. I pray that you're moving mightily in our midst. Direct our steps, God, today. I pray that there's freedom in the room. Whom the Son sets free is free indeed. The Spirit of the Lord is there is freedom. And so, God, I pray that there's freedom here today in Jesus' mighty name. And everybody said... Amen. We'll look at your neighbor and say, you look good in the house of the Lord. That's right. Look, I won't make you look at the second person. Right? Amen. Well, the Bible says, this is the day the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. Amen. The Bible says, I was glad when they said unto me, let us go into the house of the Lord. And so I am glad to be in the house of the Lord. Aren't you glad you ain't in some nightclub somewhere, but you're in the house of God? Amen. And uh, we've been set free from that. But hey, and I just want to go ahead and point, go ahead and point this out there. Go Astros! All right. Hey, I, I I think this. You know, I don't know about you guys, but this time change. I've been up since four thirty in the morning, so I'm wound for sound right now. So y'all get ready. But. Uh, uh, you know, you may not be an Astros fan, but hey, they are from Texas. And uh, how many of y'all are proud Texans in the room today? Okay, well, if you shout it, I'm going to tell you this. You need to vote. All right? I'm just going to go ahead and say that. You need to vote. And um, if, if you're a proud Texan, you, you need to do so. And I'm not going to tell you who to vote for, but I can tell you how to. And... Uh, uh, I'll tell you this, we always back the biblical teachings of the Word of God. And you know, I, um, I got, you know, people like to email me and send me stupid letters. And uh, back when I was talking about when he is coming back, they said, you shouldn't have made Roe versus Wade political. And I, told, I wrote them kindly back and I said, this is not a political issue, this is an immorality issue is what this is, right? Somebody also sent me a letter when I was talking about uh, a gender and how there is places in America today that are actually forcing young ladies to get a hysterectomy and if they want to be a boy and kind of pushing them and really, you know, uh, pushing this down, down their neck. And I said this, what the Word of God says. God created males and he created females. I even broke it down to kindergarten cop terminology. Boys have a penis. Girls have a vagina. That's as easy as that. And if a five-year-old kid can get that, surely we ought to get it as well. But that's the thing. It's not a political issue. It's an immorality issue. Can I get an amen? amen? What's going on in the border? It's not a political issue. It's a stupidity issue is what it is. Right? 
When you have 250,000 people, and they're not, I mean, we love our people to the south, uh, the Mexican people, but here's the deal. Uh, Ronnie Jackson the other night said since January 1st, there has been 100 that they've just caught on the watch terrorist list. Just 100. Think of all the people that are coming here that hate America, that, don't, that aren't for what we are for. How many of y'all know heaven even has a border? Right? And we ought to protect those for us. If you need, do anything, vote. And in, 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 like I said, we would be a whole lot better off. <laughs> Without a poser Mexican who calls himself Robert Francis. Come on, somebody. Amen. And so I'm going to get off of that and let's get to the word. You ready for the word today? Amen. Uh, If you have your Bibles, open them to Acts chapter 13. We're going to go to verse 22. I'm starting a brand new series. It's called this, From uh, the Pasture to the Palace. And the Lord really started ministering to me about this particular text at the beginning of the year. And I didn't feel released to do it until actually this last week. There's some things uh, that I was talking to the Lord about. And he reminded me of some things of how I was studying this. But I love the story of David. You know, last, uh, the, over the last couple of weeks, I've been talking about how this little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine, and how uh, we aspire to be like the Lord, do we not? That we are created in his image, and we need to be like Jesus. And we need to, you know, the Bible tells us this, greater work shall you do, because I go to my Father. And so the same works that Jesus did on this earth He's given us the power and the authority through the Holy Spirit because he left it here with us to perform those same things. And But here's the deal. We look at the life of Jesus, that he was perfect. He was in control. We looked at a story last week of how he was in control. But in the same sense, we look at our life, looks more like the Jerry Springer show than the Jesus show. We look at our life and we see some things in David. Can I tell you this about David? David is the second most, per, uh, second most wrote about person in the Bible other than Jesus. My whole point is this. We aspire to be like the Lord, but our life looks more like David. But yet God said this about David. He said, I found David, the son of Jesse, a man after mine own heart. And so when looking at his life, we can, we can relate to it just a little bit more. Because when I, when I look at him, I see all the great things that he did, but I can't help but also see the mistakes that he made as well. I see where he made a mistake of pursuing after a guy that absolutely hated him, that rejected him, but yet he wanted to pursue after him. His name was Saul, that he loved him so much. I look at him as a father. He was absolutely a deadbeat as a father, if you ask me. He may have had a whole bunch of them, but the, in, in his story... I mean, just going back before that even happens, how he's looking out uh, over a balcony. All the men are at war. The king should be at war, but he stayed back because I'm sure he had looked out his balcony before and splish splash, she was taking a bath all about a Saturday night and her name was Bathsheba. Come on, somebody. And men, I'll tell you this, it wasn't sin the first time he went and looked at her. It was sin when he returned to the sin. And so he goes and he sees her naked And he likes what he sees, and he calls her up to his room, and he sleeps with her. She gets pregnant, and uh, her husband at the time, Uriah, was at the battlefield where all the men were. You know the story. He calls him in, puts him at the top of the field, gets him killed. So now he has adultery, but also he has murder on his hands. But yet he said this about David, a man after mine own heart. I see the story of his life of one time one of his sons, Amnon, sleeps incest with one of his daughters, Tamar. And he does absolutely nothing about it. I see in his life that one of his sons, Absalom, tries to take over his kingdom. 
If you haven't read the story of First and Second Samuel, I'm telling you, it's like the Mari Povich show, I promise you. It's great. And so he goes through these things in his life where, where Absalom is sleeping with his wives. He's in his kingdom, and he's ooing, and he's cooing, and he's bringing all these people to come against his father David. And you know what David, he does? He does absolutely nothing. But also I see the achievements of David. I see that he wrote something like Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his namesake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. His rod and his staff, they comfort me. He prepares a table for me in the presence of my enemies. He anoints my head with oil. My cup runneth over. Surely, goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. I see in Psalm 1 where it says, He who abides in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord that he's my refuge, my fortress. It's in him I put my trust. I see in Psalm 37 where he said this, I love of that text where he said, the steps of a good man are ordered the Lord, and he delights in his way. And at the following of that, he says, I was young and now, I've old, now I'm old, but yet I've never seen the righteous forsaken or God's seed begging for bread. The Bible tells us this, that at the end of his life, that he wanted to build a temple because he looked out through his mansion, his gold and his silver and everything around it. And he's grieved inside of his heart because he sees himself in such a place of luxury. But he sees the tent, the Ark of the Covenant, which he took Jerusalem back over so he could bring the Ark of the Covenant in. And the Bible says he danced undignified when the presence of the Lord returned back to the city. We ought to do the same thing as well. And so he, he, he dances, but he looks out and he sees that the Ark of the Covenant is inside this tent. And he says, God, let me build for you a temple. He said, I'd love for you to do that, but you can't do it because you have innocent blood on your hands. He said, well, let my son do it. So he gives his son a billion dollars. Probably in today's Biden economy, that'd probably be $2 billion. Come on, somebody. And so when I read stories like that, God's hand was upon David, but yet David made many, many mistakes. And so before we can go any further, I've already quoted it to you, but in, in Acts chapter 13 and verse 22 is one of my favorite texts because it sets precedence of where I want to go today. It says, when he had removed him, he raised up David to be their king. Uh, what he's talking about right here is Saul. And before I go any further, I'm going to go back to this text just in a minute. But before I go any further, I, I believe for us to get a full understanding about David, if you haven't read First and Second Samuel or First and Second Chronicles, you need to know this, that you will understand David's life a lot more when you understand where he come from. See, what happened was, is at the time inside of Israel, they were like in a nomadic place where they were a country where their supreme leader was the, the Lord, but the Lord would give a word to the priest and the priest would give it to the people, all 12 tribes of Israel. And so uh, the priest at the time is Samuel. In First and Second Samuel, his name is Samuel. And he's a man of God. Well, the people come to him and said, hey, the Philistines have a king, the Amalekites have a king, and they're raising up and they're being these great and mighty fortresses, so we need a king in ours. And he says to them, before I even talk to the Lord, I don't want to tell you this, you don't want a king. And this is why you don't want a king, because the king will raise gas prices on you that you can't afford. <laughs> Hello, somebody, all right? Just trying to make it real this morning. He said, he said, there's something about the king. He'll take your sons and your daughters. He will tax you. 
You may not know what taxes are, but I'm telling you, this king, what he'll do is, is he'll take a 10% of your life in every area of it. When you have eggs, he'll want a portion of the eggs. When you have chickens, he wants a portion of the chickens, goats, so on and so forth. And they said, we don't care, we want a king. See, that should tell us something today, even in our society, you as a believer and as a Christian, you are not of this world, you are of the kingdom of God. And I'm telling you, still, God has authority. He's the king of kings, he's the lord of lords, he is the alpha, the omega, the beginning, the end, the first and the last, the author and the finisher of our faith. He is the one and only potentate, come on, can I get a witness out there today? And we as the people of God, we may have presidents and congressmen and senators and House of Representatives, but can I tell you, the most important authority that we have is from the king, and he's always wanted it to be from the king and the king himself. And he said, all these pagan places may have a king, but it wasn't designed for my people of God to have a king. I'm supposed to be the king, but if you want a king, I'll give you a king. The king is speaking to us right now. He's right over here, somebody. (laughs) So he says, you don't want a king. They said, no, we want a king. So the rest of the story goes. I won't get into the full details, but he runs from a divine appointment. He runs into this boy named Saul. And Saul, the Bible says, is a head foot taller than everybody else in the kingdom. He's a mighty warrior. He's a good-looking man. He's very striking. And he knows there is an anointing on his life that would be the leader of the country and be the best fit. But still, he would take... So Samuel would get, uh, he would get a word from God, give it to the king, and the king would do it. So this is how it's working now. So he goes along. He begins to fight battles. There's an anointing on his life. He's doing a great job. But how many of y'all know the Bible says pride cometh before a fall? And before they ever went to battle, they would always go before the Lord. And they would make an offering before God. You can read this in 1 Samuel. And he waits seven days for Samuel and he realizes that the people are getting uneasy and they're getting anxious and they're getting anxiety. So what he does is he takes it upon himself and says, I can take the role of the priest. I'll do it myself. So he does it and then Samuel shows up. He thought to himself, it's better to ask for forgiveness than to ask for permission. And so he walks up there and he says, what have you done? You not only sinned against me, but you've sinned against the most high God. So you know what I'm going to do? I'm going, the God just told me to tell you this, that my heart has grown cold towards you and I will find somebody in the nation of Israel. I'll find somebody that has a heart after me and I'll go after him. And so the rest of the story goes as this, as he goes to battle with the Amalekites, Saul does, after the presence of God had left him. In fact, he went crazy. He went demon possessed if you read the rest of the story. But God tells Samuel to tell Saul, when you go up against these Amalekites, I want you to kill everybody. Men, women, children. I want you to kill all of their livestock. There'll be nothing left. So he comes to see him on the battlefield and he realizes he still has the king and he can hear goats in the background. So Saul, Samuel, the priest, said, you didn't do what God said to do. So I'll kill him myself. So that's what he says in Acts chapter 13 and verse 22. He, he talks about, he says, I've removed Saul. He raised up David to be their king of him. And he testified and said, I have found David, the son of Jesse, a man after mine own heart, who will do all my will. Can I tell you this? I know I've said it before. Aren't you thankful? There may be people in your life that have wrote you off that don't want to have anything to do with you, but can I tell you we serve a God that no matter what you do or what you've done or what you will do, that he seeks after you and he comes to find you. 
You know what I want people to say about my life? I want them to say, Travis, the son of Donnie Bennett, a man after God's own heart. It should be your desire to do the same thing as well. I found Buddy, the son of Jeremy, a man after mine own heart. You put your name inside of there that it should be your heart's desire that we do the will of our father. So there's many aspects about David's life. I see David as a son. I see David as a dad. I see David as a sage. As, uh, he had a prophetic side to him as well as you read the book of Psalms. I also see this about David, that he was a warrior. In fact, at one point, you know the story of David and Goliath. He says, what happens if we kill Goliath? Saul tells him this, well, I'll give you my daughter. That's one of them. He said, okay, I saw her. I'm after it. So then he gives him, he says, gives him his daughter, and he says, well, what do you want me to do? He said, I want you to bring me the foreskins of 100 Philistines. All the men just got a chill that went all the way up back of their spine, just right up here, all right? And he said, all right, and he comes back with 200 foreskins. So David was a mighty warrior. David was probably the greatest king that ever was in the nation of Israel. But I want to point some things out at the beginning of his life that I really believe that all of us can really testify to. If you open your Bibles to 1 Samuel chapter 16, now I'm really going to start preaching. Are you ready? The Bible says in verse 1, The Lord said to Samuel, remember this is the prophet who is over the king Saul. He says, how long will you grieve for Saul? I don't believe this is just a word for Samuel today. I believe this is a word for each and every one of us. I believe there's some of you in that are in the room today. I want to ask you the question, how long are you going to grieve over your ex? How long are you going to grieve over the person that left you years ago? How long are you going to grieve over something that's no longer a part of your life anymore? How long are you going to grieve over that person that died? Come on, I believe there's a time of grieving, but there's a time where you've got to pull your pants back up and say, you know what, I've got cities to build and contracts to fill. i got places to go and people to see. I know somebody just needs to hear it by the Spirit of God and say, how long are you going to grieve over something that's not coming back? He said, I've rejected him as king. He didn't reject him as a person. He rejected him as a king. I mean, I know God doesn't reject anybody, but he rejected him as a king. I said in the first service, so the same way as well, like when you're dealing with the spirit inside of somebody, you have grace to the person, but you never, you never have grace to the spirit in them. You take authority over it. And so he says, how long will you grieve when I have rejected him as king over Israel? It says, fill your horn with oil. If you've ever heard me teach on this before, I did a whole message on it one time before of how we need uh, to die to our flesh, but... Saul, when he was anointed, he was anointed with a flask of oil, which is man-made. But David was anointed with a horn of oil, which was come from God. Are you hearing me? Horn of oil and go, and I will send you to Jesse the Bethlehemite, for I have chosen a king for myself among his sons. But Samuel said, how can I go? When Saul hears about it, he will kill me. Remember, he's demon-possessed at this point. He's thinking to himself, in fact, we see in verse 14, now the spirit of the Lord departed from Saul and an evil spirit from the Lord tormented and terrified him. There's lots of people that's came to me before. It says the evil spirit was from the Lord. No, the evil spirit comes from the enemy, but anything the enemy do has to ask for permission from God first. It's an open door in your life. How many of y'all know the Lord is over everything? He's over everything. Look at the book of Job. The devil had to go to God and say, hey, would you pull a hedge of protection over him? 
off of him so that I can go after him. How many of y'all know when we are a blood-bought, one God, apostolic, tongue-talking, holy, rolling, born-again, heaven-bound believer in the liberated power in Jesus' name? Come on, there is protection over us. The Bible tells us in Psalm 91, he who abides in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, he's my refuge and my fortress. It's in him that I put my trust. Amen? Amen? And so he, he is demon-possessed at this point, and he knows this. He goes, he's a scary man. He said, well, take a heifer from the herd with you and say, I have come to sacrifice to the Lord. He said, you, you shall invite Jesse to the sacrifice, and I will show you what to do. And you shall anoint for me the one whom I designate. And so, verse 4, so Samuel did what the Lord said and came to Bethlehem, and the elders of the city came trembling and meet him and said, do you come in peace? Now, there, if you read back, just one chapter was a place where he shows up to the battle and he hears the goats in the back and he sees the king and the, and the prophet. I'll tell you this. Or, so he, he, he kills him. But can I tell you this? When a prophet would show up to a place, they got a little bit anxious. Because you, you think about it. When a prophet would show up, lots of times he would bring judgment on a city because of the sins that were there in their life. I'm telling you, when the prophet showed up, it was like Tommy Shelby coming on the scene. It was like Tony Soprano. Like, come on, meets a godly outfit as well. Uh, you get what I'm saying? It's a little bit uh, uh, good. Uh, he, when he showed up on the scene, I'm telling you, that's something that we need to get back to. That you, I'm not saying it just necessarily for myself, but we honor the man of God. Amen. Amen. Yes. Honor the man of God. When he showed up, they were dotting their I's and they were crossing their T's. Do you come in peace? Please tell me you came in peace. I, I was reminded of it in the first service. In the Old Testament, Moses, there were some people that were building a coup against Moses. And he confronts them at Korah. And he says this, you either repent or the earth is going to open up and it's going to swallow everybody who is against me. And the earth opened up and swallowed them all. My favorite story is in the book of 2 Kings of Elisha where some kids are making fun of his bald head and the Bible says that female bears came out of the woods and ate them. You know what's worse than bears? Female bears. <laughs> Come on, man. How many of y'all know when there's some she bears on the loose, they will eat you alive? Come on, somebody. You know what I'm talking about? Don't look at me all judgmental women. You know you do it. All right? One thing, if it was male bears, but the fact that it said she bears, you know there was nothing left. All because they made, of their, made fun of their bald head. I have a good friend who, who uh, I talked to him this week. There was, there was a coup of some people that were trying to come against him. And in the middle of the service, somebody stood up and said, Pastor, you're a liar. The man dropped dead in one week. Let me tell you something. You don't mess with the anointing. You don't mess with the anointing. So turn up the AC. Verse 5. <laughs> Are you guys getting something out of the word so far? Amen. It says in verse 5, and he said, in peace I have come to sacrifice the Lord. Consecrate yourselves and come with me to the sacrifice. He also consecrated Jesse and his sons and invited them to the sacrifice. So can you imagine the intensity of the prophet that's not only coming to the city, 
But also, too, he pinpoints one person named Jesse and all his boys. So when he goes home, I'm sure he's saying, all right, you shave, you put some, you, you clean, you take a bath, for God's sakes, put some aftershave on, we're going to see the prophet. So it happened. Everybody say it happened. When they had come, he looked at Eliab and thought, surely the Lord's anointed is before him. See, in the old days, it's the same thing we do today. Most of you in the room, your will is going to your oldest child unless, you know, there's some intensity inside of the home. It was the same way then. It's like the story of Jacob when he had his 12 sons. He couldn't give the birthright to the three oldest. He gave it to the fourth one, Judah, because um, they're the wisest and they're the smartest or the best looking. Um, so on and so forth. You, you know what I'm saying? But there's a reason that they give it uh, to the oldest one, because that, that's just, that's what you do. And so the Bible says inside, surely this is the Lord, and the Lord's anointed is before him. Verse seven, but the Lord said to Samuel, don't look at outward appearance or at the height of his stature, because I have rejected him for the Lord sees not as man sees, for the man looks at outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. I figured more people would get excited about that. I mean, are we not in a charismatic church right now? That, notice I said ab, because there is only one. <laughs> Aren't you thankful that those of you that are four foot, five inches tall, that he doesn't look at your height, he looks at your heart? And it doesn't matter how tall you are, it's how big your heart is. Come on, somebody. Aren't you thankful that he doesn't look at your bank account? Aren't you thankful that he doesn't look at your past? He says, I'm looking at the heart. That's why he says in Proverbs 4, 23, guard your heart with all diligence for out of it springs the what? The issues of life. I'm telling you, you've got to have a heart right if you're going to be successful. And he tells him, I look at the heart. I don't look at outward appearance. I look at the heart. It doesn't matter if he's got the right clothes. What matters is the heart. It doesn't matter what kind of background he came out of. What matters is the heart. It doesn't matter if he's been qualified by everybody else. What matters is you've been qualified by God because of your heart. Are you hearing me this morning? And so it says in verse 8, Then Jesse called Abinadab. This is the second one in line. And had him pass before Samuel. But Samuel said, The Lord has not chosen this one either. Then next Jesse had Shammah pass by. And Samuel said, The Lord has not chosen him either. Verse 10, Jesse had seven of his sons. So seven sons come by, passed before Samuel. But Samuel said to Jesse, the Lord has not chosen any of these. Then Samuel said to Jesse, are all your sons here? I'm sure you could hear a pin drop in the room. He's looking across there. See Shammah, Benadab, Eliab. He's looking across there and he goes, these are your boys? Please tell me these are all your boys. And he's, uh, uh, well, well uh, there is still one that's left. It's the youngest. He's tending to see. So Samuel said to him, send word and bring him because we will not sit down until he comes here. I believe somebody, I'm telling you, you lean in right now because I believe somebody's about to get a word from God. Because it goes on to say this, so Jesse sent word and brought him in. Now he had a ruddy complexion with beautiful eyes and a handsome appearance. The Lord said to Samuel, arise, anoint him, for this is he. First of all, God doesn't look at an outward appearance. God looks at the heart, right? He looked at all the ones that look qualified. 
But why wasn't Jesse, why wasn't Jesse there? He said, we're not going to stop until you get your youngest boy here. And as soon as he walked in the room, he said, that's the one. But he's looking at him and he's really cooling him. He's saying, why in the world do you not have your youngest boy here? You know what theory is this, and I believe it to be right. I've been studying this over the last year, but I promise you, I believe if you lean in today, this is for somebody. Because during that time, if you had, if you had one out of wedlock or, you, uh, or if you had a child that was outside of your wives, then that was considered you know, an abomination, and that was a stepchild. You know what, history tells us this, that there was a Polynesian slave that Jesse had, and she became pregnant with Jesse's boy, and his name was David. It explains to us this, that's why they point out to him that he had a ruddy complexion, he was handsome. Meaning this, the other seven brothers were pretty rough looking, but there was something about David that was different from everybody else. See, he was an embarrassment to him, not only because he looked different from his other boys, but he was an embarrassment for the sin in his life. So this, you're going to go tend to the sheep while these are the ones from my flesh and blood, from the women that I have been in holy matrimony with, these are the ones. But no, no, no. David was out in the field working the sheep. Can I tell you, there's some people in the room today, you may have not fit in with your family. There's some people that you've been out. You may not have the same mama and daddy as your other siblings, and you have felt set apart. There may just be some things about your life. You look different from everybody else, and what the enemies try to do in your life is have a spirit of rejection on your life that you're not equal to your other brothers and your other sisters. You may, it may go back to a, a, a heart issue, to a place of back when you were in kindergarten school that you never got picked like everybody else. I'm telling you, you look at David's life, there was a spirit of rejection on him. Why in the world would he pursue after somebody that never liked him and hated him his whole life just because uh, uh, he was the anointed one? You know why? Because he was rejected by the only person that he loved, which was his father. And because of that rejection, he went after somebody else named Saul and he pushed him and pushed him and pushed him and pushed him away. Why did he keep pursuing him? Because he had a spirit of rejection. Why was he up on the hill looking at Bathsheba when he had all these wives that he loved and this family that, that was for him? Why was he looking at Splish Splash? She was taking a bath all about a Saturday night. I'll tell you why. Because of a root of rejection, he had a spirit of lust that got inside of his heart because he was rejected by his wife, Michael, that, that Saul gave him. And because of that, he thought he could get it from somebody else. You know why people look at porn? A spirit of rejection. Because they've been rejected down the line from some other girl. You know why people become homosexuals? Because there's spirit of rejection. People can't get corrected when they have a spirit of rejection on their life. I'm, I'm telling you, I'm standing on this chair today because I believe people are going to get set free from a spirit of rejection in their life. Think about this. You're like, Pastor, that can't be right. Well, let's look at the Bible. Can we look at the Bible this morning? It says this in Psalm 27 and verse 10. It says, although my father and my mother have abandoned me, yet the Lord will take me up. Can I tell you this? If your mother and father has abandoned me, I'm telling you, tell them good riddance because you have a king of kings and a lord of lords that has accepted you. 
Look at this one, Psalm 51 and verse 10. It says this, I was brought forth in wickedness. If you have a King James or a New King James, it says this, I was brought forth in iniquity. In sin, my mother conceived me. Look at this one. Psalm 139 and verse 15, it says, My frame was not hidden from you when I was being formed in secret and intricate and skillfully formed in the depths of the earth. Your eyes have seen my unformed substance and in your book were all written the days that were appointed for me when as yet there was not one of them. I'm telling you, when I look at David's life, I see that there was a spirit of rejection on his life. The fact that he did nothing about Amnon and Tamar sleeping with one another. The fact that he uh, uh, let Am, or Abinadab try, try to take Absalom, sorry, Absalom take over his kingdom. I'm telling you, it's because he dealt with the spirit of rejection. And you may be in this room today and you say this, you know what, I, I, haven't, I haven't been an equal as much as my sister or my brother has. I haven't been an equal maybe at your job as somebody else. People see you a little bit different than the, and you may be just doing this yourself, right? Because that's what the enemy does. He tries to isolate you. It's what he always does. But I want to share a good word with you. Can, can I tell you this? We've all dealt with rejection. I'm going to say that again. How many of y'all know we've all dealt with rejection? From the time you were born, God rejected you. Bible says we're born sinners. Sin separates us from God. How many of y'all know sin cannot be around the Father? And so the Bible tells us this, that uh, uh, we see this, that when Jesus came, in Luke chapter 4, we see this, that he came, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel, to set at liberty those who have been captivated, it goes on to say, and to proclaim the acceptable year of Christ. So when Jesus came, what he did was brought a story of redemption and a story of acceptance. When you've been rejected by everybody else in your life, what Jesus came to do, he came and he said, I accept you. Aren't you thankful for the acceptance of Jesus? That's why in John chapter 3, when Nicodemus comes to see him at night, we call him Nick at night. And when he comes to him, he not only tells him, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. But he also told him in John chapter 3 in the beginning, you've got to be born again. So you were rejected at birth, but you get born again. Now you're into the kingdom. See, the problem is sin. The solution is Jesus. And the response is us repenting of our sin. And he cleanses us from all unrighteousness. Are you guys awake this morning? I hope you're hearing me. But here's the deal. Can we be in Christ and still have a spirit of rejection? I believe it wholeheartedly. Even though he failed in so many areas of his life. I want to set somebody free today and tell you this. You may be thinking about, well, you don't understand. My, 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 my mama's white, my daddy's black, or my, you know, we, we got some green and black and white and purple and all that in there, and so it's just complicated. I want to tell you this. You may have been a surprise to your mom and dad, but you weren't a surprise to Jesus. <laughs> Open your Bibles, Ephesians chapter 1. This is the icing on the cake. It's a little tiramisu right here. Come on. It's a little banana pudding. Oh, can I get a witness? 
margarita pie. It says in Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 3, blessed and worthy of praise be the God of our Father, Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing. Aren't you thankful that you have a father? It doesn't matter who your earthly father is. What matters is you have a heavenly father that you have through him inherited love and joy and peace and long-suffering, good gentleness. Come on, goodness, faithfulness, meekness and temperance. So it says, bless us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms in Christ. Then in verse 4, Go ahead and get ready to shout. Because you may have been just like David. You weren't the pick. You've never been the pick. But I want to go ahead and set you free with this scripture right here because it says this. Just as he chose us before the foundation of the world. Come on. How many of y'all believe that you've been chosen? You've been set apart. Oh, 1 Peter chapter 2 says you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a consecrated nation, people for God's own possession so that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness and into his marvelous light. So it says he chose us before the foundation of the world. You might have been a surprise to your mom and daddy, but you weren't a surprise to God. And you know what I read in here? Long before you or I were ever conceived in our mother's womb, God already knew us and was calling us to be his children with a special purpose to fulfill in this world. Come on, are you hearing me this morning? God knew us when we were nothing but substance in the earliest stages of being formed in our mother's womb. What did he tell Jeremiah? He said, I knew you before I even formed you in your mother's womb. You know what this word chosen means? It means out, I say. I call out to select, to elect, or to personally choose. It's the word eklego in the uh, Greek. It refers to a person or a group of people who were selected for a specific person, like a selection of men for the military, special soldiers chosen to go on a special mission. I'm just here to tell somebody today, you may have not even been the pick of the spouse that you're with, but you're the pick for God. Are you hearing me today? Listen, I know this is an intense word, but I believe there is freedom. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. John, if you want to go ahead and come and play. But I believe with all my heart, I look at David's life. Was he successful? Yes, he was. But did he make mistakes? Oh, my gosh. He did some stupid stuff. You know what a rejection will do? Just like him. I'm telling you, Saul, y'all, y'all keep coming. Because I'm just hitting the tip of the iceberg of David's life from the pasture to the palace of what he went through. This king Saul was so jealous of him and had so much hatred toward him. There's many times he tried to kill him. In fact, David had the opportunity to kill him twice. Right there, he could have done it. But you know why he didn't take control of things inside of his family? Because of a spirit of rejection. Because of the root of rejection from his father, he thought, if I get it from anybody, you'll get it from Saul. And listen, there's women in the room that you're with some goober Ned right now. That they treat you like horrible, but you keep going back because you've been rejected. And you thought because of that pain and that hurt from somebody else, this person's going to feel it. They never will. There's some of you, you're a closet drunk. I'm being real this morning. 
You keep going back to alcohol over and over and over and over and over again. It's because of a root of rejection in your life. You think that this bottle will ease the pain. It never will. It never will. People in my office that come in and I bring correction to them and they get all emotional and weird and bad. I'm like, dude, I do this because I love you. I'm telling you, it's because of rejection in their life. That they think I'm doing the same thing. No, I'm not trying to do the same thing. I'm trying to show them a path that leads to life and godliness. Holiness without blame. I'm telling you. Jesus came to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. You may have not been accepted by the people that you wanted to get accepted by. But it doesn't matter. What matters is acceptance from Jesus Christ. So if you're in a place right now that maybe you just came out of a terrible divorce or maybe you're at a place where uh, you're going through some pain in friend's life, can I tell you this? You need to stick to the one who's closer than any brother in your life. You know, I look at David's life. The Bible goes on to tell us in 1 Samuel 16. Then Samuel took the horn of oil. He anointed David in the presence of his brothers. The Spirit of the Lord came mightily upon David from that day forward. And Samuel arose and went to Ramah. The Bible tells us in verse 18 that he was a skillful musician, a brave and competent man, a warrior in speech, a handsome man. And the Lord was with him. I found David. Doesn't it make more sense now why he said, I don't look on outward appearance, I look at the heart. I'm telling you, God tells you the same thing. I don't look on outward appearance. You may not have the same daddy as so-and-so or same mama as so-and-so. You may have not have the same accolades as somebody else. You may have made some mistakes. You may have done things that hurt people and broken some things apart. But he said, I found David. I found David. David, the son of Jesse, a man after mine own heart. The one that everybody looked over. The one that everybody said was a wash up and said he's not from the same tribe. He's not not one of us. He looks different. There's everything about him. He's a little weird. He said, I found David. And that David, he wrote the 23rd Psalm. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. He wrote Psalm 37, the steps of a good man are order of the Lord, and he delights in his way. I was young and now I'm old, but yet I've never seen the righteous forsaken or God's seed begging for bread. I want you to stand to your feet this morning because I believe there's people in this room. I believe I've hit the nail on the head. Just get us into a time of worship right here. It's 11.32. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. The Bible tells us this. Can I have help with the lights? The Bible tells us this. In New King James, 
It says that he was born out of iniquity. You know what iniquity means? It means there was a bend in him. Now, those of us that live in West Texas, trees don't go, grow straight up. They, they, they have a bend. You know what I mean? Like, we have trees. I have trees at my house. They have like a gangster lean to them. You know what I mean? From the wind. They're like this way. It's because of something that is pushed against them. My point is this. If you don't deal with iniquity, it will go on from generation to generation. Like David, if he didn't deal with that, you go on. I mean, he was rejected at the battlefield from his brothers. They said, you're not here to bring us food. You're here because you want to watch a great fight. It went on. From there, he was rejected by Saul. But also, too, Saul gave him his daughter, Michael. And Michael rejected him. I'm telling you. My whole point is this. Dads, listen to me. If you don't deal with an iniquity in your life today, whatever's on you, it will be greater on your children. It will be greater on your children. I'll say that with all confidence. I can, show you, I can show you stories in the Word of God. The same way he reacted. I'm telling you, Solomon, you read his life. <laughs> he got even nuttier than his dad. At one time, he was definitely, I mean, he still was a man of God. I mean, y'all know the gifts and callings of God are irrevocable. There was still a gifting on Saul's life. Even after the presence of the Lord left him, he won many battles. He still did because of the gifting on him. Saul was, Solomon was gifted as well. My whole point is this. Men, ladies, moms, if you don't deal with an iniquity or a spirit of rejection in your life today, you're going to pass it on to your kids. You'll parent that way. You'll be a wife that way. Dads, you'll do it. You'll be a husband that way. And I believe there's freedom in the room. We have some time. So if I'm talking to you right now, I want you to come up here because I want to lay my hands on you and I believe freedom is in this room. Thanks for joining us. We want to thank all of you who give to our ministries here at AOL Church. It's because of you that all of this is possible. You can give now by clicking the link below. And if you haven't already, subscribe and share this message. It helps us reach more people and share the gospel through you. Be sure to stay connected to us through our Church Center app, our website, arenaoflifechurch.org, and follow us on social media like Facebook and Instagram. May the Lord bless you and keep you. His face shine upon you, be gracious to you, and give you peace. Thanks again for listening. Go and make a difference today.